You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. I could be moving from my office to being one of those absolute degenerates that smells like moldy cheese and death. And national recruiting analyst, Adam Gorney. Grover isn't around as much, but uh, Oscar the Grouch is still around a lot. Elmo has taken a prominent role. I mean, he's like the main character. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, and I'm joined, as always, by the stars of the show, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. Uh, Guys, obviously, rankings, the new Rivals 100 is out today. Uh, Lots to talk about there. We have six new five stars. a lot of good receivers in this class. The uh, number one player has not changed, still Derek Stingley. But, um, Mike, I'll start with you and let you break down kind of the big news from from these new uh, rankings. I'm going to correct you, Dave, because I know it's early on the West Coast. We have eight new five stars. Oh, yes. I'm, you're right. Eight. <laughs> that's big. No, that's a lot. That's a lot for the summer. Um, you know, usually we have three or four additional ones because it's so close to the last release. We did a release in June. Then obviously have the big summer seven-on-seven events. You have the five-star challenge. You have the opening. You have the Elite 11. So you get to see the top guys in the country uh, again between June and August for the rankings. Usually we don't have eight, but I think this year there was a couple guys that we were on the sort of uh, on the shelf with when it came to, you know, are they five stars? Are they not? That proved it. There were a couple guys I think that probably should have been five stars the last time we ranked who finally got their fifth star. Uh, but at the top, when he started at the top, number one, still the same, Derek Stingley, Jr. We had a big debate about that one, so we'll start there. Uh, Theo Weiss and Jaden Hassel with two wide receivers at two and three. And then Darnell Wright slid a little bit and came on Thibodeau, slid one spot down to number five. So that's your top five right there. But we had this debate. I mean, Stingley versus Weiss, essentially, and then Weiss versus Hasselwood as to who the number one wide receiver is going to be. And then if Hasselwood was the number one wide receiver, it would be Hasselwood versus Stingley. It just went on and on and on. Uh, it was tough to figure out. But I think what it came down to for me is the rarity of the position. Um, I think Derek Stingley is more rare as a cornerback um, in this class compared to the next best cornerback, which is Chris Steele, uh, than Theo Weiss's compared to the next best wide receiver, which is Jaden Hasselwood, and then George Pickens, and you know a lot of really good wide receivers in this class, Trajan Bridges and some others. Um, and then historically, you have to look at and see, you know, is he that rare at the position where he could be number one overall? This would never had a cornerback at number one overall. So it was, it was quite a bit of a debate. Um, I know Gordy's more of a Hasselwood guy than a Weiss guy, it seems. Yeah, I... You know, I don't dislike Weiss at all. Um, I think he's very good, and I think he made a statement at the Five Star Challenge, and this was part of the discussion of, of the ranking that Weiss beat Stingley multiple times in Atlanta. Multiple, uh, and, multiple, and one, multiple meaning three times and one on a five-yard slant. So we, we, do, okay. we have to really, like Oklahoma fans are going to go nuts because Weiss beat Stingley in these reps and all, but one was a five-yard slant. I mean... It shouldn't even One count. Was, Throw it out. Shouldn't shouldn't count. So twice beat him. Twice. I think two they went. Two, I think they two out of three. Um, 
And one-on-ones are definitely geared toward wide receivers. I mean, there's no safety help. He's at the corners out on an island, and the way we run one one-on-one reps, which we should discuss for next year's camps, are the guy goes 40, 50 yards every time, and the quarterback bombs it, and what's a corner? What's a corner going to do on that route? So, um, you know, I think I think, uh, but in the Weiss Hasselwood debate, which which will be ongoing and continuing, uh, I thought Weiss was very good in Atlanta. Um, I think Hasselwood looks better physically. He stands out more, and he, and I've seen him dominate over and over again. I've seen him two or three times this spring, and every time he or this summer, and every time he's been outstanding. So I think that debate will continue to go on. I don't know if either one is number one in the country, and I think this year, unlike some years like last year, no matter what Trevor Lawrence did, we were probably going to keep him number one just because he's so special. And what was good about it was he was very good everywhere we saw him. And uh, Justin Fields pushed up there, and late JT Daniels pushed up there, and Amon Ross St. Brown was there. But we had a feeling who the number one player in the country was. I don't think we have that feeling nearly as much this year, and I don't think anybody's really staked their claim as the number one player. Stingley looks great. Um, He was okay in Atlanta, I thought. But if we're talking about long-term projection and where they're going to be drafted, Stingley is a good pick here. Um, but I think you could go one through probably seven, and then somewhere in the new five stars, uh, you know, there are some guys that could emerge in the senior year where got where there hasn't been the guy that we're like, yes, definitely number one. Here, here's number one. Now let's start rankings with number two. So I think this is going to be an interesting year through the senior year and definitely at, at the All Star game. Yeah, and two things to consider too: if JT Daniels didn't reclassify, he would be number one. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And right. I, I don't think either Weiss or Hasselwood are better than Amon Ross St. Brown, who will finish probably lower than them in his class, but that was a better class last year overall at the top. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown was so good last year. Um, I mean, Julio Jones finished fourth, and I, I'm pretty sure Julio Jones is going to be better than Theo Weiss and Jaden Hazelwood. Or Hasselwood or whatever you say. So, um, so yeah, it's just... A, it's just uh, you know, kind of how the how the chips fall, but no, I'm not a Weiss hater. I, I I think his ranking is fine. I thought he was actually surprisingly good during one on ones. Um, because Mike, you you look at Hasselwood, and for people that haven't seen Hasselwood and Weiss in person, you have to give the edge physically to Hasselwood, right? Yeah, I mean, Weiss didn't get a lot bigger than he did last year. Um, he's a good size receiver. I just think you know yeah. Hasselwood and and George Pickens, who was a new five star, highest new five star, number twelve is a bigger guy, too, at least on film he looks bigger. Um, but Hasselwood's a bigger kid, but I think Weiss is more explosive. So, you you know, you take yeah. what you yeah. like, you know, when it comes to in and out of your breaks and routes and things like that, I think Weiss is more explosive. And they both have good hands. They're both competitors. Um, you know, it was one of those things where did, did Hasselwood do enough to jump over Weiss because last time uh, that was the order. I think uh, Hasselwood was number six and Weiss was number three. I don't think he did enough to jump over him. Uh, I think he did enough to to get to number three and make it a very tight battle. So the battle for number one wide receiver is going to be good. Battle for cornerback is not that good, and, and I think that's why you know Stingley's our number one guy. And then the running back position, Trey Sanders sort of emerged and distanced himself from Devin Ford. That was a question mark we had coming into the summer. Uh, which is the better running back? Now that's not over yet, but Sanders bumped up two spots and. Ford slid two spots, so the difference right now is Sanders six, 
and Ford 15. Both of them, I think, are very good. I like Devin Ford a lot better in the summer than I did in the spring, but I like Trey Sanders a whole lot better uh, than any other time that I had seen him. Yeah, that running back group in Atlanta was phenomenal. I mean, Trey Sanders looks like a million bucks. Zach Evans in the 2020 class looks like a billion dollars. I mean, that kid, I thought he was the best-looking kid there. Uh, Devin Ford was solid, uh, I think, you know, fine as a five-star. Uh, stayed at around, thir- he was 13 last time, moves to 15. That's, you know, not exactly a drop at all. So he was fine. And then Sean Dollar is kind of that quick outside back, get to the edge kind of guy. So I thought Trey Sanders definitely solidified himself as the number one running back in this class, clearly. But uh, I know we're not talking 2020, but Zach Evans, man, does that kid look good or what? Well, we meet on that next week, and we release those, I think, in a couple weeks. And he's going to definitely be a guy, I think, is in the discussion for that number one spot overall. He, he's a special football player. You know, there's a lot of Najee Harris there. He's not as big. There, there's some Adrian Peterson there. Um, he's a freaky, freaky athlete, but we're not talking 2020. Forget about those guys. Yeah, um, sorry. So, Brew, the Brew debate. Number seven, you know, probably the best athlete in this class overall. Uh, when you're talking about a big jumbo athlete, could play wide receiver and could play linebacker, which when's the last time anybody played both ways playing those two particular positions? I can't think of that ever happening. Can you? Yeah, yeah, no, and it's interesting. I compare him to a Juju Smith. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Juju Smith out of high school. You like the Miles Jack comparison a little bit. Miles Jack played running back and linebacker yeah. juju yeah juju played wide receiver and safety um but he hit like a linebacker he was he was great in high school so um i he's got that he's got size um he's got that physical ability and he has that athleticism to make plays and so i think he's a kid as you see him through a senior year he just didn't do a whole lot this summer he was kind of coming back from a shoulder injury um he's kind of just taking it easy a little bit and you know he's been playing seven on seven since he's been in seventh and eighth grade he's a little burned out from it and just wants to play football so um yeah he is a kid that you know i think if we saw him during the summer could be in that three four range and then we can see him during his senior year and at the all-star games to see exactly where we place him but definitely a legit two-way player um i think you know, he's probably a little more special on defense, but as a big wide receiver, an outside wide receiver, he can get separation, and he looked awesome in that offense last year that had JT Daniels, Monroe St. Brown, and Brew McCoy. So um, I think it's going to be a special year with him and Bryce Young. I, I don't know which way he goes, and I think he could legitimately play both ways, either way in college. And I think everybody else, all the other sites and services, have either came on Thibodeau or... Nolan Smith is their number one guy. We've got them both in the top ten. Nolan Smith moving up one spot to get into that top ten. Not quite ready to put a hybrid at number one in the country and, and not quite sold on Thibodeau. I think he's a very, very good player, no doubt about it. Um, you know, reminds me a little bit of Ronald Powell. Maybe not put together the same way, but uh, athletically uh, up there with him. Um, what do you think about the kneeling thing? And, and, and for those who don't know about the kneeling thing, he did come out, Max Preps put out a tweet in an article where Kayvon Thibodeau said he was going to kneel before every game because he risks his life on the football field. To me, it was almost akin to, like, I'm a soldier. Remember the whole Kellen Winslow Jr. stupidity yes. statement? Yes. I'm a, yes. I'm a soldier. Uh, <laughs> when we were at war and he's talking about being a soldier playing on the football field. 
you know, he said, that I risk my life on the football field every day, so I'm going to kneel. It made no sense to me whatsoever. It went up. Within a half hour, it was pulled because you got so much negative attention from it. And there's a lot of outrage out there from a lot of people in regards to the kneeling situation in the NFL. And for a high school kid to come out and say it, I think it was just attention-seeking. Um, and I don't think it was very well advised. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to compare Thibodeau to Ke- Kellen Winslow, <laughs> especially off the field, if uh, allegations are true on Winslow. Well, um, I'm talking but, Kellen Winslow when he was playing 100 years ago. No, I know, I know. And and, and my brother was at war, and uh, football players who say they're going to war, um, that is the dumbest thing you could possibly say. Um, Thibodeau is a very smart and thoughtful kid. Uh He's also interested in being on social media and talking a lot, and I think it was probably just a bad move in today's culture, where that is constantly going on and being talked about at the NFL level, um, for a high school kid to come out and say it. I, it's interesting to see what the reaction of the people at Oaks Christian uh, was to that, and it will be interesting to see what the reaction of Oaks Christian people will be if he does do it. Um, I won't be at the first game, but I will see them early in the season, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm not going to tell a kid to stay out of that. I'm not going to tell a kid what to do or what not to do, but um, I probably wouldn't have advised it. No, so what you just said is you're not going to tell a kid to stay out of it or, or anything, and then you said, but I would tell the, <laughs> I would tell the kid to stay out of it. Is pretty much I, I'm an observer. I, I'm there to observe what people do, not you're, tell people. You're a documentarian. You don't get involved in anything. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like uh, Ken Burns. So which one of these two guys is most likely to be either an actor or a wrestler? Thibodeau or McCoy? Or a wrestler? (laughs) (laughs) You know, wrestlers are actors. I mean, Rob Cassidy will certainly argue with that. But, uh, you know, these two guys both like attention quite a bit. And uh, we we both feel they're probably both going to stay out west. If they do have successful yeah. NFL careers, I could see one of them becoming an actor. I mean, I think this podcast could go down in history and in 20 years from now and when Kevin on Thibodeau and, and becomes we The Rock or something like that. But uh, we, we talked about outside interests and things like that and distraction and all that other stuff. And I know, you know, both of these guys got a lot of stuff that they're interested in off the field. So which one's uh, going to be an actor or a wrestler, Gordon? I, I would go with... Brew McCoy. It's a good name. He's got for a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Well, his name is Horace McCoy, and then that's not a good if name. you get like a if you get like a double nickname because he's Horace McCoy Jr. and if he then everybody calls him Bruiser, but then he shortened his nickname to Brew. I mean that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's definitely wrestler. You know. Yeah, that's definitely wrestler. But with that face, come on, he's an actor. He's got <laughs> he's got the look. He's got the look. All right, so that, that's our top ten. Let's get into the new five stars real quick. George Pickens, I think, could be potentially the number one wide receiver in the country. This is one of the kids that probably should have been a five star last time. Uh, we got to see him again a little bit more this summer and, and just a physical beast of a wide receiver. Uh, probably won't put up crazy numbers uh, in high school, but we'll see him at the All-Star Games as well. Um, just hard to handle. Uh, so there's Pickens. I'll go through them all, and then we can talk about the ones you want to talk about. Trey Palmer, who I pushed... Uh, personally, moved up 55 spots to a five-star. I think he's outstanding. He played both ways the five-star challenge. He got open anytime he wanted to at wide receiver, locked down at cornerback. I think he's going to be an offensive player, um, but he could easily be the next great cornerback at uh, 
and I'm doing air quotes here, DBU of LSU, because no one's determined who DBU is, but LSU, <laughs> obviously, just like Florida and Florida State and some others think they're DBU. Texas thinks they're DBU. So um, Spencer Rattler moved up 14 spots, the, the five-star quarterback. We'll talk about the quarterbacks in a second. Um, you know, he was the Elite 11 winner and the best quarterback out of the opening. Um, Trajan Bridges, ball skills that remind me of Odell Beckham Jr., just amazing ball skills on this kid, uh, another Oklahoma commitment. He, you know, the combination of Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, R.J. Henderson is going to be pretty sick uh, for Oklahoma moving forward. Um, so he moved up 42 spots to number 25. He was another one that I pushed personally. Uh, Owen Popo didn't move up a spot, but got that fifth star. Uh, linebacker, a little bit undersized guy. People talk about him as a Roquan Smith type. Very quick twitch, very athletic. Just the big question is, will he grow enough? Um, you know, reminds me of, not really of Roquan, Roquan uh, it reminds me of Chris Bar Frost a little bit, um, that people remember who Chris Frost was. He was a five-star guy out of North Carolina who ended up going to Auburn. Had an okay career, was a little bit undersized. Auburn almost didn't take him. In fact, Frost wanted to commit to Auburn at the U.S. Army All-America Bowl, and Auburn said no. They eventually took him. Didn't have a great career, um, didn't have a bad career, but I think Popo is a little bit more special than he is when it comes to the athleticism um, at this stage. Bo Nix, Auburn commitment, another Auburn commitment that's three Auburn commitments getting a fifth star, which they're, they're going to be very happy today. Uh, two Oklahoma commitments getting a fifth star, so they're going to be happy today as well. Um, he's, you know, was the best quarterback hands down at the five-star challenge, was the second best quarterback hands down at the Elite 11 and, and at the opening, so certainly deserves his bump of 13 spots. Eric Young, cornerback, it's all over the field at the opening. Uh, big kid, good size. I've always liked him. He's been one of the guys that I've continually pushed for five stars. He finally got his fifth star. And then Evan Neal, the one I question the most, uh, he's just a monster. Huge kid, reshaped his body, lost a lot of bad weight, much quicker and more agile now. But uh, not sure if he has the staying power at five star. But he's our 29th ranked player and our 29th five star. So which one of those do you like and want to talk about? Yeah, the guy that you know really stood out the most this summer to me, um, just from seeing some of these guys and not all of them, was Trajan Bridges. I thought he made tough catches at the Five Star Challenge, uh, bad balls he, he came up with in a crowd. He, he had uh, a lot of nice catches. So I think um, that guy was definitely <clears throat> stood out to me. And you know that Oklahoma class, everybody had been talking about Weiss and Henderson, and now Henderson had lost his fifth star, but. I think Bridges could be the guy that has, you know, the best career in Norman um, after seeing him this summer. And, uh, you know, just seeing that wide receiver class that's going to Oklahoma and then seeing Spencer Rattler, you know, go to the opening and be the best quarterback there, get his fifth star. Um, that's going to be an offense that's going to be very, very difficult to stop. Six of the eight new five stars on offense. Um, if you count Trey Palmer at receiver, that's probably where I think he ends up three new wide receivers. And, and that is the strength of, I think, this class is wide receiver. Pickens, incredibly good on film, and, and, and our people liked him when they saw him this summer. You know, Palmer, Bridges, it's going to be a very, very difficult thing through their senior year to see exactly um, how, how that wide receiver group shakes out. Yeah, and so at the start of the call, I was obviously cranky, as always, uh, the start of a rankings call. And um, 
Because they're, they're just the longest, most boring calls you're ever going to discuss. I mean, people <laughs> who follow this think they're the most exciting thing in the world, and they picture us in some big boardroom and, uh, you know, going back and forth and putting stuff on a whiteboard and all that. No, it's it's just an arduous, endless call where you go over every player at each position, uh, and it just never ends. So I started off the call a little bit cranky. Uh, and I did say, okay, I don't care what anybody else thinks. We're making these two guys a five-star when it comes to quarterbacks. Now, will either of these guys be the first pick in the NFL draft in three, four, or four years or whatever? Probably not because, you know, more often than not, more often than Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, you get your Matt Ryans who are, you know, three-star guys who ran a wing tee offense in high school and nobody could project them to be as good as they turned out to be. But, um, you know, we just know that, that that's the premium position. So I was like, Rattler had a great summer. He looked really, really good at the opening in the Elite 11. Bo Nix came into our event. It's called the five-star challenge for a reason. Just dominated from the start to the finish. Never slowed down. His arm never got tired. The velocity was there compared to some very other good quarterbacks. You know, Ryan Holinsky, Graham Mertz, and some others. Um, you know, so I'm like... Let's roll the dice on these two guys. I mean, I think they're both good enough to be five stars. Are they the number one player in the country? No, not right now. Uh, but it just makes no sense to me to have two guys that are on the cusp of being five stars. The two years we did it where we didn't have five-star quarterbacks, I think Jeff Driscoll was the highest ranked one year, and we weren't sold yep. on him because he was a bit raw as a passer. I mean, he could run and do a lot of different things, but... He was a bit raw as a passer. And then Phillip Sims, I think, was the other year. Or maybe it was – who was the little guy who went to BYU? What's his uh, name? Jake Jay Keeps. It could have been Jake Keeps. But one of those two guys, and neither of them had – you know, Phillip Sims was a product of his offense at, at uh, Oscar Smith in Virginia. And it was pretty clear that he had – you know, upside, but he was putting up huge numbers, uh, mainly because of the offense that he was in. And he ended up flopping. Uh, Heaps obviously didn't do much. Driscoll ended up flopping. Um, two out of the three, no, all three transferred, which is interesting. Yep. Um, we knew in those classes that there just wasn't anybody. Now, again, from those classes, of course, and I don't have their names because I didn't research it before the call, uh, before the podcast, but you know, some of those guys obviously went high uh, in those classes. I'm not sure if one of them was um, Blake Bortles. He might have been in one of those classes, but obviously he went very high and he was a three-star kid. So sometimes you're going to miss, but you got to take a chance on the quarterbacks. And I think Rattler and Knicks are both uh, worthy. Now, do I see another quarterback in this class who's a five-star? I don't. Not right now. We're going to have to see how senior film comes out. We're going to have to see how the All-Star games shake out. But I think there's a pretty good drop-off from Bo Nix. There's some talented kids, no doubt about it. Uh, but when you look at, you know, the quarterback rankings, Graham Mertz is the next guy behind Bo Nix. I didn't see five-star. He kind of wore down at our event. Um, and then Ryan Holinsky is behind him, and I don't see five-star with Ryan Holinsky. Uh, and then Dwan Mathis is number two at dual threat quarterback and Jaden Daniels, and neither of those guys I think are even sniffing uh, five stars. So you go from two five star quarterbacks to everybody else is rated a 5.9. And the way our ranking scale works is 6.1 is a five star, 6.0 is on the cusp of five star, 
5.9 is that next level. So there's nobody really pushing those guys. But I think it was the prudent and smart call, as is everything I do, uh, to make those two <laughs> five-stars. And when you're talking about quarterbacks, I mean, if you're talking about near impossibilities of trying to figure that position out, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out that Josh Rosen is a five-star and will be a first-round draft pick. And even if at UCLA they didn't do much to help him, uh, he was going to be a first-round draft pick. But let's look at the rest of the quarterbacks in that class. Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick, Walk on. had two offers out of high school, walked on at Texas Tech, transferred to Oklahoma. <laughs> Josh Allen went to JUCO, had no offers out of high school, went to JUCO, then went to Wyoming. It's not exactly uh, a science of how these guys get to the first round of the NFL draft. Um, but and so Darnold and Lamar Jackson were both four stars, so let's not let's right, not forget right. Don't I, I? I wasn't finished, Mike. Oh Jesus! Because you take so long to get to the point, I thought you were finished. <laughs> no, it's the build-up that. Oh, that oh that's most. what it is. Okay, hold on. I'm on the edge yeah. of my seat right now. Hold on. <laughs> so, so put you know, putting these guys in five star doesn't guarantee them anything, and there are three stars out there that have a chance to move to that first round of the draft. It's just incredibly hard to figure out exactly what teams are going to need five years from now. Yeah, that, especially at that particular position. I think there's other yeah. positions that are hard, too. For some reason, offensive tackles become very, very hard. Um, yeah. You know, we're looking pretty good this year with, uh, was it Jonah Williams and uh, Greg Little? Greg Little, yeah. Yep. I mean, if those are the top two, then we're going to be pretty good shape because they're both five-star guys. But that's been another tough one, I think. And all the positions are tough, actually. The wide receivers are... You know, we have more wide receiver five stars every year, I think, than any other position. We have more ranked wide receivers than any other position. We always go 100 deep when it comes to wide receivers. Um, and that's been the position that's being devalued uh, yeah. cyclically in the first round of the NFL draft now. Running back is back, um, and wide receiver, the, the guys just haven't panned out. Now, you know, will that change? Of course it will. Um Will some of these guys be first-rounders? I think so. But it really depends on so many different factors, you know, especially keeping your head on straight and, and not getting frustrated and transferring early and doing a bunch of stupid stuff. But um, when you look back at some of our more recent five-stars, yeah, you got Stefan Diggs doing well, but you got, you know, Dorian... Dorian Green Beckham's out of football, right? So yeah, yeah. nobody could have told me that you know, four or five years ago when we were ranking him. I think it was 2012, so that's six years ago. That's a long-ass time. Um, some other big movers, uh, since we're done with the five stars. Tyreek Stevenson, Florida cornerback, moved up 136 spots. He didn't move up the most, though. The most was Nolan Gruel. Let's talk about Nolan <laughs> Gruel, the highest-ranked Wake Forest commitment in the history of Rivals.com. Went from non-ranked, he was ranked as a 5'8", 4-star, but he was not ranked in our Rivals 250. He's number 72 now. Uh, both of you and I, I think, agree he could be higher than that. Yeah, I absolutely think, based on what I saw this summer, he's one of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, he was dominant against 4- and 5-star guys all day long. Nobody could figure him out. And it was all over the field. He could do anything he wanted against anybody. A phenomenal route runner. Uh, you know, Michael Campanaro comparisons, I think, are very fair for, for him going to Wake Forest. I would be very surprised if SEC and ACC powerhouses don't get involved with him 
Uh, Hunter Renfro is another good comparison, I think. Just a guy who can get open against anybody uh, and catches everything and is very competitive and uh, has good athleticism, great hands. Um, you know, I see from 71 on up, bigger guys, stronger guys, uh, all those kinds of things. But Nolan Gruel is a guy who catches everything and is very productive on the field and is kind of a coach's dream at receiver. Yeah, you know, and again, Campanaro was a three-star back of the day, much to his dad's chagrin, who used to email me like every other day telling me this kid was better. <laughs> and he was right. His kid was better. He had a great career. I don't know. He still might be in the NFL. I think. Yeah, I did. think he's with the Ravens. Yeah, I think he is. So, uh, And then Hunter Renfro, of course, famously was a uh, two-star, I think, a walk-on. And then he beat Minka Fitzpatrick in the championship game, and everybody says how much we suck at rankings because of our five-star cornerback, who was a freshman, I believe, at the time, got beaten by a two-star walk-on, and we don't know what we're talking about if we suck. But um, I, my point was if Trent Irwin, who that's your boy, um, was, was a five-star, Nolan Grew, Grew could make a case for being a five-star too. Now, he's far from it. I mean, 70-something is far from being a five-star, and he's – Probably not going to end up as a five-star, but you're right. Somebody needs to take a chance on him, and, and Wake Forest has to do their best to keep him because I think that's good for both programs, honestly. I think Wake, if they can if they can push back some of these bigger programs that want to steal them away, it's going to do well for their recruiting, send a message to kids looking at Wake Forest that, hey, what's this kid looking at, and maybe I'll take a look. Um, and the other programs itself, they just can't sleep on this kid anymore. He's just too good. Uh, Brighton Constantine moved up 133 spots. Clemson linebacker commitment from Louisiana is very, very, very good in coverage. Uh, Stacy Wilkins moved up 135 spots. That's the Arkansas offensive tackle who's committed to Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans should be happy today. I don't think they will be because they. I don't think they ever are. Um, Auburn fans should be happy today as well. I think those are the two teams that really sort of stand out to me that should be thrilled with this release. Yeah, absolutely, Auburn. I mean, three new five stars, um, a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a linebacker, Oklahoma. And Stacey Wilkins is a kid who didn't exactly dominate at the five-star challenge, but you see a ton of potential in that kid. He's huge. Uh, he's mean. <laughs> those are the two things that you like out of offensive tackles, but from a Technical standpoint, he still has a long way to go. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma definitely with Rattler now a five-star, with Bridges a five-star, with Wilkins moving up more than 130 spots. Those two schools are uh, are, are very happy today with, with, with their rankings. And we can't talk about the Rivals 250 because we're taping this actually prior to the release of the, of the Rivals 100 and well, released, well before the release of the 250, which is not until Wednesday. We're actually taping this Tuesday morning. So... We can't talk about it, but there's going to be a lot of really interesting moves in the 250 as well. bunch of guys coming from outside, um, specific tight end who's committed to a specific ACC team, a specific linebacker who's committed to a specific Big Ten team, uh, just a few that made big moves. So there should be some happy programs out there, um, you know, when we release that. And there's going to be some unhappy people too, because some guys just absolutely plummeted when I'm looking at. You know, I do the spreadsheet, and I, I look at, you know, I put all the guys that moved up more than X amount of spots in red, and then I put the guys, as you've seen, Gorney, in blue. Mm -hmm. Blue is not a good number. And, 
you know, when I'm looking at the rivals uh, 250 list for tomorrow, there's a there's a blue 42. That means he's dropping 42 spots. There's a blue 85, a blue 113. That's a West Coast guy. That's not going to be good for Gorney no. at all. Um, a blue, a blue one, 123. Blue 123. <laughs> but the biggest one is a blue 172, which people are going to freak out about, absolutely freak out about. So, um, so that'll be interesting to follow that. And then blah, 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 rankings, rankings, rankings all week long until we meet on 2020, which I think is going to be even worse when it comes to the meeting than 2019. At least we've seen these kids a billion times, and we kind of know where we're at. 2020 is going to be a second numerical release. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. It's going to go so slow. Um, so we're just going to have to push through. It's not like we're, uh, I don't know, it's not like we're breaking rocks out there, working construction, you know, an honorable job, but physical hard work. But I'll tell you, the emotional toll it takes, I mean, you've, you've, seen, you've seen it. You've seen how I get after these rankings. Well, I've also seen you, and, and years of doing this has withered the body away. Oh, my God. I look horrible. I look horrible. <laughs> I used to, like, look okay. But now, when I look at myself, I'm like, what has happened to you? And then I think back. It's like 20 years of this. That's what's happened yeah. to me. I'm on my, yeah. like, 20th class. I started with, like, Chris Sims and Kevin Jones and guys like that. It's like... Um, who was that guy who went to Michigan State? DJ something. I can't remember his name. Uh, I, I don't remember. It, it's like all a blur, but it will kill you. Um, it's just, it, it'll, take, it'll take the life out of you. But on a release day like this, I get excited because I just go on the sites where everybody's happy. I'll go on the yeah. Oklahoma site and I'll just like drop the mic and say, hey, what's up? You guys are my buds. And then the first thing they'll complain about is R.J. Henderson not getting his fifth star back. That's the first right. thing. Then there'll be the gifts that come flying at me, which are always insulting. Then the fat jokes, which are always entertaining. Um, so there's really no winning. There's just levels of losing when it comes to this stuff. Speaking right. of levels of losing, let's segue into the Big Ten. Mm. My goodness. Now, we talked about Urban Meyer. More stuff has come out. Tom Herman's name was dropped in the mix and then denied it was Tom Herman was the source. And then there was this talk about Garrett Wilson choosing Ohio State and ticking Tom Herman off so much that he decided to get involved and somehow convince Zach Smith's wife to come forward with all this. Let's throw all that away, first of all. That's just stupidity, okay? Okay. I think it's stupidity. There's no way on earth Tom Herman's going to convince somebody to come forward because he lost a recruit, okay? It's dumb. Um, this Maryland situation, when are coaches, and again, innocent before guilty, when are coaches going to learn that, what was the movie? There was a movie with Bear Bryant. Was it called Bear Bryant? Uh, where Tom Berenger played Bear Bryant. Was it the, it was the one where at Texas A&M or something, he, yes. you know. It was an ESPN special. And he worked them into the ground and no water and all this other. Okay, that was 100 years ago. You yes. can't get away with this stuff now. So reading what's happening at Maryland, and again, innocent until proven guilty, it looks really bad for DJ Durkin. Yes, it looks really bad for DJ Durkin, and it looks like that strength staff will never work in the business again, hopefully. Um, you know, 
we live in this structure, and I'm not going to get on my high horse here, but we live in a structure where grown men, can millionaires... Can you get on a high horse, first of all? I, I, I don't know. You're I'm a so low short. to the ground. You're a, lo- <laughs> a little short, a little blocky. I'd li- I'd blocky. Like to, you're a little blocky. I'd like to... One of our former employees used to... Did he call you blocky a little bit and said you should give up eating cereal or something? I, I don't know. Well, well, this is a this is a person who was shorter than me and probably weighed like eighty five pounds. So <laughs> that's, that's true. But you are you're. <laughs> let's say you have a low base. You have a low base. So getting on a high horse would be very humorous to me. But I, <laughs> yes. I, I interrupted your point. But um, my Dave Barry, you gotta want to see Gorn to get on a high horse now, right? The, the the visual of that is cracking me up right now. <laughs> you know. So get on your high horse, Gorny. Let's watch it. What? Why do I even do this podcast? But. <laughs> I don't know, for 600 um, people who listen. <laughs> I, what, what I was going to say is that we live in this structure in college football where millionaire grown men get to yell and scream at kids that make zero dollars in the hopes that they can get to the NFL and they'll put up with it. If any, if anybody in the real world yelled at people like that, um, they'd be fired. If they treated them like that, they'd be fired. If the If the reports are true where... Players were forced to eat or not eat or run until they literally died. Um, you know that that those people should be without question fired. DJ Durkin wasn't at that workout, um, but he is responsible for that program and how it's run. Uh, the strength coach um, will be held responsible for that, and and good because you're not allowed to one treat people like that, and two. Uh, run them literally into the ground. So uh, what's happening there is disgraceful. I'm I'm happy that it came to light through all of this. So people like that are weeded out of the game. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I you know I'd been reading discussions about this. Treats his players with respect and doesn't belittle them at every single turn. And anybody who's been involved in sports, I've been involved in sports my entire life. Anytime a coach screams and yells at you, it's not motivating. You, you, No one is motivated by that. So people that do that are clueless. And Maryland is an average to below average program, probably because DJ Durkin and his staff are in charge. Yeah, and well, not probably. I mean, Maryland's been mediocre for a very long time since the fridge took him to the Orange Bowl 100 years ago. But uh, yeah, it's just, it happened in Illinois. It happened in Indiana, right? I don't know. I think so. I know it happened in Illinois. I forget the coach's name because I don't know. Can't remember it right now. But uh, abusive players. And it was, oh yes. You know, I mean, you just you can't do it. You can't get away with it anymore. Um, so the Big Ten got a big black eye. You know. Yes. And, and it's funny because old Urban came into the Big Ten and changed the way everything's done and raised the bar for everybody and. I, I love the fact that he raised the bar for everybody when it comes to recruiting and winning and all this other stuff, but I think now you're starting to see a little bit of that at other programs, like the pressure to to succeed uh, is really starting to get to some of these guys. So I think we'll have a new head coach in Maryland. I don't think he's going to survive this one, especially when a player dies. I mean, that's just awful. I don't know what's going to happen at Ohio State. I'm still not sure. I mean, it's they said two weeks. It's been over a week, right? Yeah, it's been 
Yes, it's that we're coming up on our second. This is this will be into the second week. I think it happened not this past Friday, but the Friday before that. So, so it's got to be soon. Yeah, you would think it would have to be soon. Do you believe any of the Tom Herman stuff? Now, let me ask you this: I don't. If 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 Urban is going to get fired for not properly reporting, or however that's going to however that's going to play out, should Tom Herman also be fired for paying the legal fees of Courtney Smith? But also not reporting what he possibly knew about Zach Smith. No. Should Steve Adazio? Should Charlie Strong? No, should no, no. You can't. You can't go down the line here. You know. It, again, it comes down to the head coach. You know, just like should Larry Johnson have been fired for Joe Paterno? Oh, I thought you meant Larry Johnson, Grandma Ma. Not Larry Johnson, Grandma Ma. Larry Johnson, defensive line coach at Penn State for a thousand years. Should he have been fired? Uh, you know, because we have to assume everybody at Penn State knew. I know We're you don't. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Yeah, we are. We're, we're, it, 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 there's parallels. The head coach is the ultimate guy in responsibility, and, and the athletic director is also right up there with him. The assistant coaches, whether they know or don't know, or this, that, and the other, all they're can really do is just sort of tell somebody and let the head coach decide. So we have I don't I don't think there's any proof. First of all, is there any proof that Tom Herman paid for the legal fees? I think let let me make sure before I say anything because uh, as I've learned this podcast word for word is picked apart by people that are defending a certain person. Um, but yeah, I believe he did admit to paying the legal fees. Okay. Or providing money. Well, yes, denies he was Brett McMurphy's source, which, which, which in this day and age is just hilarious. We have a coach denying he was the source of a story. The reporter coming out and say he doesn't name sources, but he denies also <laughs> that Tom Herman was the source. That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I tweeted about that. I'm like, you know, okay, when you say you're not going to name your sources after four decades of being in this business. But I will say it's not this person that defeats yes. the purpose. Yeah, that defeats the entire purpose. In March of 2017, my wife assisted her friend Courtney Smith during a time of financial need. His wife We did. have not... Yes, his wife did. His wife might make good money. I don't know. How do you know? So I, I don't know, judgy, but I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure... You California home. You're so judgy. <laughs> You live in Connecticut. That's even more judgy. I live in northern Connecticut. That's the slum of Connecticut. South, southern Connecticut's where all the rich people live. I live east of L.A. That's like the pure slum. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> no, I don't think Tom Herman as you know an assistant coach at Ohio State. I don't think Steve Adazio as an assistant coach at Florida. I don't think any of these guys should be lumped into this. And I don't think there should be just a chopping off of the legs of every person who was involved. This is a situation where Urban Meyer lied. This is a situation where Urban Meyer is the head coach. He's the one who's in, responsible and in charge. Do I think Urban Meyer should be fired? I don't know. I don't think he's going to now. I, 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 I don't. This is settled down, right? Doesn't it feel settled down? It does feel settled down after the you know after everybody jumped on it at first. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how Ohio State spins this to um, to allowing him to coach. Uh, you know now that Zach Smith was arrested for DUI or whatever they call it in Ohio in 2000, 
it just seems like uh, Urban just didn't seem to know a whole lot about what was going on with Zach Smith at, at, at any turn. Yeah, I, I still think he's going to save his job, and I don't think he's going to get fired. It just feels like things have settled down enough. They've given it two weeks. I think Friday will be the day that they announce, probably, because, again, Friday is a great day to announce anything when it yes. comes to especially news that you might get backlash on. Um, right. I think they come out on Friday and they give him a suspension. I think they, you know, uh, put him under probation or whatever and give him a suspension, and then he survives and we move on, and Ohio State wins the Big Ten and goes on to the playoff. Um, you know, which, who knows, I mean, for college football alone, forget about everything else, any social issues, it's good for college football if Urban Meyer's around. So, um and it's good for Ohio State for sure if Urban Meyer's around. So I think they they did a smart thing saying they're going to wait a few weeks. They're going to let this settle down, let other yeah. other stories like DJ Durkin abusing his players and other stuff like that take sort of a little bit of the heat off. Uh, and then they're going to come back and say, well, this is what we've decided to do with them. And, you know, we're going to keep them. So... I was at first thought there was a zero percent chance Urban Meyer would be fired. Then when he went on administrative leave, uh, then I thought there was a really good chance, and I thought they were going to wrap up the investigation in like two or three days, and he'd be fired. Um, but this two-week thing now has me believing again he's going to survive. So we'll find out. We'll find out on both of those guys very soon. But the Big Ten's. Taking it on the chin lately, and I think that's a good place to wrap up because we've gone 45 minutes of awesomeness here. Right, Dave Barry? That's right. That's right. That's Dave's right. like fa- Dave's like face first in his frosted flakes right now. <laughs> Can you blame him? No, I can't. Not at all. All right. On that note, we'll get out of here. Uh, remember, follow us on Twitter at Rivals Mike, at Adam Gorney, and at Real Dave Barry. Also, you can uh, leave us a review a review on iTunes, which helps us a lot. So with that, we will see everybody again next week. <laughs>